welcome Mavs Nation to another episode of MavsCast, the Sports Ethos Dallas Mavericks podcast. Is your host again, Hope Hussain, on Twitter at H-O-V-O-K-Y-O-S. The show Twitter, of course, is always at Ethos Mavericks. Give us a follow on both of those accounts. And I'm here again on the same night to talk about the second half of this weekend's back-to-back. And that was the disheartening loss of the Mavericks to the Chicago Bulls, 115-144, to a game that basically got out of hand for the Mavericks from the second quarter on. Uh, a lot of garbage time in here, basically with Luka Doncic out getting rest in this game after the hard-fought loss to uh, to the Bucks. Um, we got to see a lot of players in, in roles that we don't usually get to see them in. So it was not just Luka out this game. There was no Maxi Kleba and there was no Josh Green. And all of that together basically gave an opportunity for Jason Kidd to finally do for the first time this season. And that is to start the big offseason acquisition Christian Wood. First game as a starter for Christian Wood this season. That took long enough, but... You know, given the circumstances that it, in which it happened, uh, we don't know when's the next time we're actually ever going to see it. But, um, of course, the Mavericks sorely needed Christian Wood's offense this game more than ever. And uh, we got to see Christian Wood's first start. Uh, we also got to see Kemba Walker's first game in a, in a Mavericks uniform. Um, we saw a little over 19 minutes of that. Um but we also got to see a lot of other players playing minutes that we don't usually get to see um, because of the garbage time. And uh, that included Jaden Hardy, 23 minutes from him, uh, as well as uh, 25 minutes from Frank Nilekina. And uh, Theo Pinson even got three and a half minutes of run, and, and Travel McGee got 17 minutes of run. So we got to see a lot of players playing, but I don't know how much of it we can we could take on to uh to the future so let's talk through some of it as i mentioned this game was basically over by the second quarter now they did allow 40 points to the bulls in the first quarter um of course defense was abysmal in this game but also the bulls were very hot uh particularly from three point yeah derrick jones jr who isn't really a too strong of a shooter like he knocks down like a corner three here and there, but he went four for five from three. He, you know, Patrick Williams also went four for five from three. Um, they had a ton of bricks from Kobe White, but overall, um, the Bulls shot sixty-three and a half percent from the field and fifty-six percent from three in this game. So some of it, of course, is attributable attributable to the defense from the Mavericks, but it also was just like a really hot um, shooting night from the Bulls. Um, Actually, since this game, the Bulls have played against uh, the Hawks, um, which I saw the majority of that that game covering um, uh, on my job over at Sport Radar. And um, they were really cold from three this game. So it's one of those things where the Mavs kind of got caught in that aspect of it. But... um, Still not really an excuse for for a team coached by Jason Kidd 
regardless of whether the fact that Maxi was out, because it's not like um, Luca being out breaks their entire defense, right? Or or Josh Green even for that matter. Even though the two of them have been two of the better defenders on this team, with with uh, Luca getting in passing lanes with the steals and everything, like n- none of that is an excuse for really um, allowing the Bulls to to do this. Um, life is tough without Luca. We all know this, but like I said, that's not really an excuse for uh, for the defense. Bulls are a struggling team this season. Um, they are, I believe, still in like lottery, uh, in in the lottery and outside the playoffs, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, despite the talent that they have on the team. So allowing 144 to this team doesn't really have anything to do with Luka not being there, right? Uh, let's see. Mention Frank Nilakina. We got to see 25-plus minutes of that, and he went 0 for 7. He did get 6 assists, but he went 0 for 7, right? And it's not too shocking when you say that, Frank Nilakina. Um, there's a lot of good things we can say about him in general defensively. Um, he was pretty solid contributor in very limited fashion in the Mavs playoff run last year. But this is one of the three third ball handlers that Nico Harrison said in the offseason could be a Jalen Brunson replacement. Don't forget that. When he was asked about this question, like, why haven't they made other moves to, to replace Jalen Brunson? And even, like, my suggestion was maybe even this team starts going bigger and goes away from the, you know, three-ball handler, uh, um, you know, philosophy. If if it is, like, Spencer Dinwiddie that, that this team is going to go ahead and trust with to, to basically do the non-Luka ball handling for this team. Neither of which happened because obviously JaVale doesn't really satisfy what you need in order for your team to really get bigger if you're just replacing, you know, Pal's minutes uh, with his and then you're not you're not going to play Christian Wood at the power forward much, right? And you're not even going to play much at all because he's coming off the bench. Um, since they didn't do that, it's like, okay, so let's see the third ball handler. And Nico Harrison was basically listed Frank. He listed... Josh Green, who obviously his game has improved tremendously, and the team was absolutely right about the improvements that he's made in the offseason. And I think even even the people who are the most optimistic about the news that was coming out about Josh Green in the offseason still did not expect him to play as well as he has. Um, even with, you know, looking at it from an optimistic point of view. But not in the sense of being a ball handler that in any way replaces Brunson, right? He's more of um, someone who has gained confidence in his three-point shot. He still needs to finish better in traffic. Um, But, you know, he's he's someone who can make a drive. He's someone who can make good passes. But really, he's he's a solid high-energy defender, solid high-energy guy all around he's like a smaller Dwight Powell he's like a guard Dwight Powell for the team 
that's gained confidence shooting. But uh, third ball handler, it's like if you're starting with Frank and Josh Green and then the third guy is Jaden Hardy, who really at that point you've seen nothing of and you whatever you have seen of him has been in the G League, which has basically shown promise but not NBA ready at this point, Not at least not like playoff contender, NBA team minutes ready, right? So, um, so if Nick, Nico still feels that way about the ball handlers, which you're guessing that he doesn't because he signed Faku and then he, you know, saw with what Faku was giving that it wasn't enough and he went out and he got Kemba, right? So you're seeing that, you know, there, there's a realization that, okay, these guys were not going to be enough. But, um, this is obviously just showing, uh, that it never was going to be enough, right? These these guys were not going to satisfy that specific component of what the Mavericks needed. Um, but yeah, this is this is like just kind of like more like solid proof of that, right? You did have Javel McGee actually go eight for ten. He played pretty well, eighteen points, but didn't matter, right? So I had a plus minus of minus sixteen. Actually, there are only two players that had a positive plus minus um Reggie Bullock with plus minus of three but he only took one shot and uh Kemba Walker with a plus minus of plus two right outside of that the Mavs just got like destroyed like on in every aspect right Jaden Hardy so Jaden Hardy played 23 minutes very skilled player, obviously. We all see the flashes. We all see, even in his turnovers, even in his missed shots, even in his uh, blown defensive assignments, we see the effort, we see the skill. But he's a raw rookie. We all know that. Like anyone who says otherwise, they're 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 taking a copium and they're like trying to will that into existence. And I don't think more minutes in meaningful games is going to be the solution for the Mavs. Maybe it is something that could get him going and get him the experience. But in the meantime, that's not going to help the Mavs. That's going to help him get to the point where he might help the Mavs later on. But at this point, with the games that the Mavs have dropped, um, they can't really afford to stick through that. If they had won a lot of those games, I think, you know, you could start introducing more and more minutes of, of Jaden Hardy and, and feel okay about that. Um, but the Mavs have dropped too many games, um, particularly to teams that their competitors are, are beating, right? And they're taking as free wins in, in the in the standings. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I don't know when he's going to get that playing time on a sliding team like this to get some of his nerves and mistakes out. Uh, the Mavs, like, they frankly, they, they can't afford to let him loose anytime soon. Um, so the minutes that we see here, this was not only a game that they're shorthanded from the start, but there was a ton of garbage time in this one. He ended up going 5 of 13, but he missed all four of his, his threes. Now, he is shooting 5 of 5 from the free throw line this game, which... Um, you know, the team as a whole went 85%, which is a bounce back from last game. But um, this is without Luka, which his free throw troubles are probably the most alarming of 
uh, of anyone on the team, right? But um, but yeah, uh, Kemba Walker, we saw almost twenty of his minutes. Um, I'm holding judgment on him from now. He only took five shots, but he did get five assists. Um, I have some faith in this Kemba Walker signing. I'm just being patient right now. Uh, I think the expectations are very low. I think he understands, uh, especially where he's coming from after what happened on the Knicks and after what happened on the Pistons, which, you know, basically, essentially, like, nothing happened on the Pistons for him, too. So I think he should be... um, understanding his role right now now obviously there were comments that came out from nico harrison uh about his health that really triggered a ton of alarms in mavs nation um so those are kind of alarming but i think given all that like the expectations for kemba walker are low and i think he can easily surpass those expectations so i'm very patient with him and it's the first game with the team, right? And it, obviously the team's not near full strength and they should be at full strength soon, very soon. Uh, Luca, you know, it was basically just a rest day for him. So um, we have a lot more yet to see from Kemba Walker. So I'm not taking too much out of this. Um, there were only three shots taken between Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith. Their defense is incredible, right? We all know this. Their defense is incredible, but we don't know how far this team can go um, with them, you know, playing like this. Reggie obviously has lost his starting role, not just because of the way he's playing, but the way that not only Tim has been playing, but the way that kid has wanted to get Tim Hardaway going. Uh, yeah, Tim Hardaway going. Um which I agree with. It's worked out. Um, obviously, these last two games, he kind of he's come back down to earth. But um, also, just more for like the the lean over more to the offensive side. Without you know, yeah, he's not a Reggie Bullock level defender, but he's also not like a, a terrible liability as another guard that you could have put there, right? Um, He's cooled off. It happens. He's bl- he's been playing too well of late to really say much negative about him. Um, the starting job is his over Reggie's, and this team really needs it, right? Um, but yeah, Reggie and, and, and Doe. This is where the 3 and D archetype is taken to an extreme where people always want to build a team with three or even four three and d guys in the starting lineup and say you could never have too many right the you know like the toronto raptors sort of like oh, hey let's just fill the team up with six nine guys and then a guy to like lead the offense and it will be fine right this is sort of where you see it like taken to the extreme and i mean while i do agree you need to surround a luka Doncic led team with with these sort of guys um it's not just like the more you have to marry, right? Maybe in a NBA 2K simulation with fatigue turned down and only like five players and without NBA coaches making the lives of your superstar difficult to where you can't just drive your entire offense through one superstar and surround him with 
four shooters and then just lock the other team down on defense like one-on-one defense right um without that it's you know in, in that case it makes sense but this is becoming a prime example number one of why three and d is not the end-all be-all of role players in the nba um there are other role players that teams need to come in situationally especially when the shots aren't falling for your three and d players when the one-on-one defense is not the end-all be-all right you need switchable players you need rim protectors you need post defenders um and all of that right um the Mavs are kind of becoming the prime example of that. Um, I just hope the shots start falling, but even even if the shots are falling, you're you're always going to have the possibility of games where either they take the five, six, seven shots and and miss like five of them, or they only take one shot the entire game, right? As you know, one shot in over twenty three minutes, or two shots in over twenty minutes. Right. So, um, so if all this like doesn't scare the front office to to pull the trigger on a star player, as I basically started talking about last episode in the Bucks episode, if this doesn't scare the front office to pull the trigger on a player of a greater caliber, it might be a signal that this team getting to where they got last season and beyond is just not a priority for this front office this season. So we don't know what they expect to change in the offseason. If it's something where, okay, you know, we put out some feelers and we don't really see, we don't really like what we're seeing come back to us. You know, it's like, okay, we tried to look out for some trades and there's some okay trades and, but, you know, we'd rather wait till next season and make something there. Like, I don't know what they expect in that situation to change an off season, because this team's not really in a cap situation where they can go about building this team through free agency, right? And maybe there's some better trades out there that that come up in the off season, but obviously you're taking a huge risk at that point with um, with Luca really being a, a a a temporary solution at this point if you're going at this rate right if you're too passive on this and then like you don't make a move this season and then you whiff next season in the off season which with the history of this franchise um in in free agency it's a very real possibility right with the reputation that they have for free free agents coming there or you know the numerous mistakes that they made in free agency and uh, and just acquiring star players um rondo comes to mind obviously um you know it's a very real chance that you waste essentially two years of of lucas contract uh, or what there is remaining before you know you lose him for good as unrestricted free agent so um and and that might be shortened by a year or two because if you're feeling that by uh 26 you're uh you're not going to keep him anyway it might be a situation where you trade him so that might be three of the seasons uh, under this contract that you don't really get to where you need to go and by that i'm saying at least 
where you've been, which is at least the Western Conference Finals. Anything less than that is a failure. An MVP season from Luka Doncic where they don't make it out of the first round is a failure, right? So, yeah. Um, what is going to be gone next year at this rate? There's a real chance this team actually moves backwards next season. So I think they need to maybe go a little further than they had originally planned on going. Maybe don't try to get, you know, don't try to be too picky about a deal at this point. I think they should get something done. Um, and I'm still on the Miles Turner bandwagon. I still think that should be their their number one target. Uh, not saying that's the best player they can get, but in terms of when you weigh price and situation and, and basketball fit and everything, I think that's a player they should be going for. And obviously, like we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We also know that there's other teams that uh, would love to have them. So we don't really know too much about... Um, why something hasn't happened yet with Miles Turner, but um, I think that's one player. But um, you know, I've I've heard, I've heard I've heard people throw in Pascal Siakam. I don't know how possible that is, but something like that's something that would probably put a smile on the faces of uh, of Mavs fans, even just the rumors of that. Um, also, another thing is like I say this a lot that the MVP award doesn't matter. Like, I don't care if Joel Embiid was second place, or I'll, I'll put it this way. I don't care that Joel Embiid was not the MVP the last two seasons. I think both of those seasons, Jokic was the MVP, rightfully so. But um, to me, I, I, I don't care, and I'll think of it as there was two MVPs each of the last two seasons. I'll even say last season there was three MVPs, with Giannis included. To me, that MV, MVP award, it's... Like it, it, it doesn't even come close to comparing to to team success, right? And that doesn't just include what your team did in the playoffs that year, but it also includes how your team was set up for future years as well. Um, so if it's something that that would um, that would you know cost Luca the MVP this year, but it puts the Mavericks in a better position, not even to win this year, but next year, uh, I'm all for it. But um, despite all that, there's really sadly a demonstration of someone's MVP hopes sliding away just because of the team. And I'm not just talking about the players around him, but the coach and the GM too. Um, you know, it's, it's being a case of someone's MVP hopes, you know, sliding away because of that team. Uh, Jokic had the two injured co-stars last season to propel his case on top of all the you know, incredible highlights and the record and, um, you know, record not seed, right? Record not seed. But um, on top of the ridiculous stats and all of that, right? He had two injured co-stars that helped propel this case. Luca doesn't have that. And all I'm saying is, yes, you don't go for the MVP in lieu of winning, and setting your franchise up for success. But if you're not going to do that anyway, if your team's just not good enough to win anyway, um, and then you're, 
your your superstar is playing like this and he still doesn't get the MVP, then um, then yeah, it, it it's sad. Like so, the direction of the season is uh is not looking great. And then I feel like even after the wins, I'm, I'm still being negative about the Mavs. Um, so I hope some of it turns around so I could actually uh uh sort of like have a different uh, different outlook, but. I'm not going to do that just after after any old win, right? So um so we'll see. Let's hope Kemba Walker is is a good solution for this team. Let's hope uh you know Kid is a little more open to to starting Christian Wood. I always said, you know, in the off season that it's perfectly fine if Christian Wood comes off the bench as long as they're using him properly in in the minutes that uh that he has, which they haven't really done. Um, so if that's not going to happen, maybe the option is for him to start. Um, so yeah, that's all I have for now. Talk to you later.